Chapter 3 I Am We refer to ourself throughout our life as I. I am 24, 45 or 68 years old. I am 5 feet 4 or 6 feet 2. I am French or English. I am healthy or sick. I am rich or poor. I am lonely or unhappy. I am tired or cold. I am single or married. I am a mother or a father. I am a doctor or an artist. I am walking down the street. I am reading a book and so on. In each of these statements, we refer to our essential self, I or I am, which is consistently present throughout all experience and which is qualified by various changing feelings, states, conditions, activities, or relationships. I am not always 24, 45, or 68 years old, but I always am. I am not always 5 feet 4, or 6 feet 2, but I always am. I am not always lonely, unhappy, tired, or cold, but I always am. I am not always single or in a relationship, but I always am. I am not always walking down the street or reading a book, but I always am. I am not always any of these things in particular, but I always am. All feelings, states, conditions, activities or relationships are added to me and then removed from me. They are not part of what I essentially am. They are not part of my essential being. Our essential self or being shines in each of us as the sense of being myself, the feeling of being, or the pure knowledge I am. This knowledge is described as pure because before becoming qualified by the content of experience, it is devoid of any objective quality. It is transparent, empty, silent, and at peace. It is on account of its transparency or emptiness that a screen is able to display innumerable colors. When it is colored by an image, its original transparent nature does not disappear. It is just temporarily qualified by that color. When the colour fades away, nothing new happens to the screen. It simply loses a temporary shade and its natural transparent condition is revealed. Just as the screen seems to acquire the colours it displays, our self seems to acquire the qualities of experience. I am seems to become I am this or I am that. But just as no colour is inherent in the screen, no attribute or quality is intrinsic to ourself. When we are divested of the various qualities we acquire from experience, all that remains is naked, aware being. However, our self or being is too close to itself to be known as an objective experience just as the eyes cannot see themselves. 
the eyes can only see something that is at a distance from them. And similarly, our self can only know something at an apparent distance from itself. We cannot separate ourself from ourself in order to know it as an object of experience. At the same time, our own being is not something unknown or unfamiliar to us. In fact, our own being is more intimately known to us than anything else. Our own being is closer to us than our most intimate thoughts and feelings. For this reason, we do not have to go anywhere or do anything special in order to be aware of ourself. If someone were to ask us now to stand up and take a step towards ourself, where would we go? What would we do? Could we go anywhere that would take us closer to ourself? And could we go anywhere that would take us farther away? It is the same with our being. Where do we have to go? Or what do we have to do to be aware of our own being? The fact of being aware is not something we can get closer to or farther from. Being aware or aware being is what we always are, irrespective of the content of experience. If anything, it would be more accurate to suggest that we cease doing something, that is, cease allowing ourself to become obscured by the content of experience. Once we have seen that our self or being is not qualified by experience, nothing need be done. It shines by itself. Unqualified, unconditioned, aware being shines in each of our minds as the knowledge I or I am. It is the feeling of being or the sense of being myself before it has been coloured or qualified by experience. Aware being is not something extraordinary or unfamiliar. It is the self in all selves, the being in all beings. It cannot be lost or found, but it can be veiled and then recognised. When John Smith dresses up in King Lear's clothes and adopts his thoughts and feelings, he assumes their qualities and limitations and seems, as a result, to become the character King Lear. As such, King Lear is John Smith plus an imaginary limitation, although in reality, John Smith is always only John Smith. When King Lear feels I myself, the I that he is feeling is John Smith, the only I there is. That is, the self of John Smith shines in King Lear's experience as the knowledge I or I am. It is in fact not King Lear who knows himself as I, for the only self or person present in King Lear is John Smith. King Lear's knowledge I is John Smith's knowledge of himself. King Lear's problem is that he does not see himself, John Smith, clearly. Or rather, John Smith's knowledge of himself is so obscured by King Lear's thoughts and feelings that he does not know himself as he is, 
and thus loses touch with his innate peace and happiness. All King Lear's experience is temporary, finite and conditioned, apart from one aspect, the pure feeling I. This is the only element of his experience that has nothing to do with the character King Lear. In order to recognize his true nature and taste its inherent peace and happiness, King Lear does not need to explore his thoughts, feelings, activities and relationships, but simply to go to that pure feeling of I, myself, or the knowledge I am. Likewise, instead of emphasizing the content of experience and allowing our essential self or being to fade into the background, all that is necessary is to allow the content of experience to recede and allow being to emerge. Our self or being, which shines in each of us as the knowledge I am, is the constant factor in all changing experience. If I am depressed, I am present there. If I am lonely, tired or in love, I am present there. If I am drinking tea or walking down the street, I am present there. Whatever I am thinking, feeling, perceiving or doing, I am present. Our essential being shines equally in all experience, irrespective of its content. Even our darkest feelings shine brightly with the light of being. All that is necessary is to give attention to being in the midst of experience, before it is qualified or conditioned by it. However, we are not one thing, and our self or being another, to which we can direct our attention, as we might direct attention to a thought or a perception. We are our self or being. It is our self, the simple fact of being aware or awareness itself, that directs its attention away from itself towards the content of experience, thereby ignoring or overlooking itself. And it is our self that disentangles itself from the content of experience and returns to itself. If someone were to ask us to be aware of the sound of the wind or traffic, the sensation at the soles of our feet or the view from our window, we would direct our attention towards each of these. But if someone were to suggest being aware of ourself, what would we do with our attention? The word attention comes from two Latin words, ad meaning to, or towards, and tendere, meaning to stretch. Just as the sun shines its light on the earth, but cannot shine it on itself, because it is too close to itself, so we can focus on or stretch our attention towards an object of experience, but we cannot do the same towards ourself. There is no distance and therefore no pathway from ourself to ourself. If anything, all that is required is to relax the focus of attention from its objective content and allow it to flow back to its source. Our self lies at the source of attention. It can never be its object. It is by resting 
or relaxing our attention, that the recognition of ourself is accomplished, never by directing or disciplining it. We cannot become what we are. We cannot be what we are not. Therefore, in this approach, meditation is not considered an activity that is undertaken by the mind. It is the very nature of our self. Meditation is what we are, not what we do. The simple fact of being shines in each of us as the knowledge I or I am. All that is necessary is to turn towards it and it will take us into itself. In the Old Testament, God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And when Moses asked him who he was, God is said to have replied, I am that I am. I am the awareness that is aware that I am. It is a simple and profound statement of our essential identity. And in case Moses' words seem enigmatic, Popeye expressed the same understanding. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. He realized that his essential being shares none of the qualities of experience, but remains intact throughout all changing experience, unmodified, unfragmented, and unqualified. If properly understood, these statements convey the essential truth at the heart of all the great religious and spiritual traditions, and indicate where the peace and happiness for which we long above all else are to be found. It is only the extent to which the knowledge of ourself is veiled by the content of experience that accounts for the varying degrees of peace and happiness we feel. Being is not something that some people have more of than others, nor does anyone have privileged access to it. The unqualified, unconditioned, aware being that shone clearly in Moses, the Buddha, Jesus, Meister Eckhart, Ramana Maharshi and many others as the knowledge I or I am, the feeling of being, or simply the sense of being myself, is exactly the same aware being that shines presently in each of us. The only difference is that their essential being was not eclipsed by the content of experience. Experience had lost its capacity to take them away from themselves. Divested of the qualities it derives from experience, our self is without personal characteristics or attributes, for all such traits are derived from personal experience. Our essential self is thus impersonal, and yet it is utterly intimate. It both transcends experience and is imminent within it. There is no aspect of experience that is not pervaded by the sense of our self or being. At the same time, our self or being does not share the limits or destiny of anything that takes place in experience. In just the same way, the space of a room pervades the room, but is not limited to or contained by it. The space is unlimited. 
our being is likewise infinite. It is not, in fact, our being, but simply being. For being is not the attribute of a person, any more than space is the property of a room. The being that shines in each of our minds as I or I am is not a personal being or self. It is the single, infinite, indivisible, impersonal being, refracted into numerous apparent selves without ever becoming fragmented. We all share the same being. In religious terms, this single, infinite, indivisible, impersonal being is said to be sacred, for it shares none of the limited qualities of human experience, although it is the very essence of a human being. All the qualities we most admire in a human being are those that are an expression of the nature of our essential self or being. It is the divine in us that makes us truly human. <laughs>